morning, everybody. It's an honor and a privilege to be here this morning. Uh, what a wonderful song. Thank you for the music, Diane. Love, love, you know, lifted me up. It just started making me think where that love comes from. The, the love of God, the love of Christ, you know. Uh, it lifted me up when I was uh, against him, how his love. And uh, and that's how faith through faith, you know. How how did how was that love shown to me? That love was shown to me through a, a Christian uh, that would give me a hug and tell me they loved me. And when I pulled the girl to pull away, they pulled me tighter and say, you know, I really do love you. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand that love, you know. And where, where did that love come from? You know, that, that love comes from a, a loving God. You know, oftentimes we uh, we ask why there's sin and why God allows this and why God allows that. And it's everything to bring glory to God. And, and uh, if these things did not happen, we would never know grace. We, we wouldn't know uh, mercy. We wouldn't know forgiveness. That just shows the capacity, the attributes of God, uh, totally, His love. And His, his love is uh, what brought me to this point, and I hope uh, His love is what brought you here today. But if not, I, I hope you can find it before we leave. My message is not uh, necessarily on that topic, it's uh, faith by grace. Um, and uh, today, <coughs> and, I, and I, I believe that uh, for the most part, I understand that most, most of you all here very grounded in that, so uh, we'll just sort of like a refresher on it and for understanding and maybe we can gain some knowledge from it. We, we will be in the book of Galatians in chapter 3. Uh, and, uh, it just makes me think of what, what goes on in the evangelical world today and in our churches and do we know, uh, I mean, uh, we're, we're Baptists, so, uh, you know, why, why are you a Baptist? Is it just because it was the closest church that, you know, mom and dad brought you to? What's the reason behind that? Uh, you know, we're, we're Protestants. What does uh, what does Protestant mean? Does anybody know what Protestant means? All right, uh, we'll be anti-Baptist today. You know, protesters, uh, protesters. That that fit me. I, I like that one. Such a protester I was. Well, what well, that's the question is, well, what are you protesting against? Do we know what we're protesting against? We're Protestants. Do the the people on the other side? Do they even know too? It, it makes me wonder. Uh, churches uh, become so adulterated with you know, half truths and, and lies. So uh, we're going to be in the Book of Galatians. And uh, but before we do that, I should I should open us in prayer. I think uh, just to make it official. Uh, so we're just going to let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we just uh, enter upon your throne room, God, and we just thank you, God, for giving us your, your word, your holy scriptures to lead us and guide us, to give us understanding, to, to let us know that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the courses of this world following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of their flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Amen. Now that prayer, most of you may know that I took that from Ephesians, because what better way to say a prayer than that? And that's what I would like to project in this, this message today. Uh, but we will be in the book of Galatians chapter 3, you know. And here we have Paul. Uh, Paul, he, uh, during his missionary journeys, journeys and went through Galatia, we know that Paul is our, is the apostle to the Gentiles. And we know that on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he went through Galatia, the exact spot I think they're still debating, but it was to, uh, that he went through there. He evangelized they weren't Jewish people. They were know? <clears throat> I think of that when he walked through their, their lifestyles and their gods and different things that in Galatia that was taking place and, and they were probably full of themselves and their sin and they were probably at a point of brokenness. And I see that in our culture and our world around us today. Uh, in this country, the United States, that once was, a, I think, one of, one of the greatest Christian nations. Uh, we've fallen so far away from God that I don't really think people know they're, they could be almost considered as, as, as pagans, the way their lifestyle, their beliefs, and how they believe. And I believe it's just such a wonderful mission field for us as Christians. They're, they're not our enemies, they're, they're our mission field. And Paul walked through there on his missions trip, and he, and he preached the gospel. And the gospel is just basically the good news. It's just not basically. It is the good news. It's the only name. Jesus is the only name for salvation that one must believe. And by believing, you can obtain the salvation. Uh, and they were they were at a brokenness in their lives and how their lifestyle and how they lived. They, it wasn't brought up in no church with no dogma. Uh, they didn't have any of this this interference in their mind. Just just as just a poisonous lifestyle. And they heard the good news. They were saved, they were filled with the Spirit. And then immediately after that, we find that the Judaizers then followed Paul around. Now, who were the Judaizers? Well, the Judaizers, and a lot of them were, were in faith in Christ too, but they still wanted to bring the works into, into it. Um, and so what was going on is then the Judaizers would come behind and then would begin to tell the converted people that they would say to them, well, you know, if you want to be a true believer in God, you, you, you know, a true Christian, uh, to be saved, to have your justification, you, you need to become a Jew. You need to get circumcised. You need to follow certain rituals. You have to follow the law of Moses. And they were coming behind Paul and pulling people back into the works of the law. And when Paul writes his letter, he says, you silly Galatians, who's bewitched you? You know, I was, I was just here, you, you, you had a belief, a solid foundation. How did you get that? How did you get that foundation? 
Did you get it by the Spirit or did you get it by the works of the law? So let's fast forward now a little bit to what would have maybe taken place. Uh, let's fast forward to the Protestant issue, protesters, why we're protesters, you know, what we're protesting against. And this is very similar to, uh, say, Roman Catholicism. It's a lot of the same thing that, that Judaism and Judaism is. So what's taking place there in this, in this big struggle, in this big debate? So I'm, I am going to read the, the verses we're going to be going over, and then I'm probably going to go back over it again. But it's in Galatians 3, uh, 1 through 6. By faith or by works of the law. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies you the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him righteousness. So look at now we're going to get flip over to here where this the struggle comes in, and it always seems to be a battle in scripture. Uh, oh, it was kind of like a friction that we could have two thought processes and, and two beliefs, and we struggle. And, and I struggle with some fellow believers that are that are I believe inside. I would call it inside the sandbox. I, I believe that what they believe doesn't stop them from obtaining salvation. But I believe it causes pain and struggles in their life. And there's just this friction. And we get this friction because of Scripture. Because I'm a finite creature trying to learn something from an infinite God. And God is, is, is good thing he knows more than me. Uh, but I'm trying to understand this. And we're trying to understand this to the best of our ability. Because we all pray for wisdom. We pray for wisdom it tells us he'll give it to us more abundantly and we should be in like minds in Christ but why do we sometimes disagree if we're both praying to the same God for the same thing and we're finite creatures we, we can only go so far we have an infinite God that is just that he's given it to us he's given us the answers here so we struggle in different times and one of the biggest struggles was it by works or is it by faith so where does that foundation come? Well, that comes from in, in uh, Catholicism that the Luther, through the Reformation, uh, he struggled with, Luther struggled with this. I believe he was actually in Romans 1, like 16 and 17, faith by faith, we, we must live. And, and it was a verse that he struggled with for such a long time that kept him into the works of it. And it's not just works only, it's, it's, it's faith plus works. So, we should never pick on. Uh, we should we should understand when we when we talk about where our differences are. Okay, it was never that they <coughs> say the Catholics did not have faith. It was faith plus works. But Luther struggled with this, and when he got to faith by faith, 
and through my reading of it, is faith that's me showing after I receive, because in Romans 1, it tells us in there, uh, verses 1 through 18, basically, an outline of Romans, but in there, it talks about the order in which that by hearing, hearing the gospel, the good news of Christ, we then, uh, we, we're done obtain our, our righteousness, and then our, can show. So now we show faith through faith through that woman because of the love of God, uh, that God gave her that love that gave me a hug one day, told her to love me twice. It was, she was showing her faith. So from faith to faith, and we're showing it by righteousness. Not that it was, imp it was imputed to us from Christ, but then now we're acting upon it later in how we live our lives. But Luther struggled with that at that point. So they have an argument. The Catholicism has a sound argument when it was at the Council of Trent. They bring up they, James brings it up. You go to the book of James and he says, uh, "Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he was offered up to Isaac at the altar?" That's right in scripture. Was he? Was he or was he not? So then we have Paul. On the other hand, where we find Paul's side. For in uh, Romans, it says, for, it, for if Abraham was justified by works, he was something to boast about, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But if not God, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay, so now we have an argument. We, we, we have a, say, if we go into a courtroom situation, when we have the same word justification being justified, James and Paul both use the same word as justified, but it tends to have two different meanings here. But So we, we have a problem with the word justified, which, which is right. It would have been nice if they would have used a different word for their argument for works or faith, but they use this word justified. And then we run into another problem because they use exhibit A as Abraham. They use the same biblical figure as their example, okay? So that brings in another uh, problem that we would then want to say that maybe scripture conflicts itself, contradicts itself. Now, I know as one of my rules that scripture never contradicts itself. And I'd like to talk about Paul and James for a little bit. We know that James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the head of the church back uh, in, in, in uh, Israel, he was the head of the church. There. And we know that Paul had had some dis had some disputes that they had to come together and have some of these councils and have some they had to work some things out. And they were brothers. They were brothers and they were working for the Lord. They had no contradiction uh, whatsoever of their two beliefs and their philosophy. They worked out the things and they complement each other. Where I, I believe where Paul leaves off, James picks up. James picks up and he compliments what Paul is trying to say. So now, so let's talk about uh, faith for, for an example. So faith is showing, well, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Okay, so in, 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 they both refer to Genesis, both. Paul and James both referred back into Genesis. Well, now Paul refers to Genesis in chapter 15. And it was the promise of Abraham. Now remember, Abraham is 86 years old at this time. OK, 
Okay, he was he was told to go and sacrifice Isaiah, Isaac, his son. And he went up to the altar and he was getting ready to sacrifice his son, and God presented the ram. Then he says, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. So that being justified by his grace, he would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So at this point in time, when Abraham was 86 years old, Paul's using this as a, as a reference, saying because of his faith, because he believed, his righteousness was accredited to him. He was justified at that point because of believing, not by his works. So then we find James, in his <laughs> argument, goes to Genesis 22. Now Abraham was 115 years old. So was Abraham justified when he was 86, or was, was he justified when he was 115? James is trying to demonstrate and show here the, the differences between faith. So faith is between, well, this is what God knows our heart, immediately God knows. But James is saying if you have faith, you're going to have these works. In other words, if, if I say to you, you know, I can, I can run a mile in three minutes, you're going to say, Okay, uh, I don't know, John. I better, uh, you know, you should get a spot, a, a, a watch, and say, John, look, I want to see you run that 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 mile in three minutes. Okay, because that's the faith that you want me to show you. So we can that would be a different meaning for faith. So this is showing man that because of Abraham's faith that he was willing to willing to do that by works, by what he was doing. He was acting on it. So, so what are we not justified by? Galatians 2.16 Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works. And not by works. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law, comes knowledge of sin. Galatians 3, chapter 3, verses 10 and 12. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is by everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Now the law, even in Romans chapter 5, tells us it excites us. When we try to live by the law, it excites us. It causes us to sin even more. So I wonder oftentimes, I deal with, with broken people. And, and one of the largest arguments I hear is that they, they don't want that God that the churches are having on. 
They've been brought up maybe in a church situation. They've been beat over the head by the Bible. They've been told the law what they need to do. You're not going to eat a hot dog on Friday. You're going to get your hands smacked by the ruler. You're going to be told how to act and what to do. You're being hit over the head with the law. And as, as you're being hit over the head with the law, it's just exciting you to do the exact opposite. It just it excites you, it tells us in Romans 5, to actually do it. And you'll do it more. And we would say that would be oppositional disorder. Then a person, they come at their point in their life to where they're broken and they need help. And they don't tend to reach out to a church where they went and they were got hit over the head with the Bible with the law their whole time. Oftentimes that people will find it through a spiritual belief by being broken, by hollering out to the Lord, they obtain their salvation. Then when you obtain that, you're filled with the Spirit, then you begin to grow then now you begin to do the works of the law. In other words, if I say to you, John, if I say to you, you say to me, you say, John, you know, I say to you, hey, I'm saved, I'm, I'm righteous, I'm saved. Well, you know, you get to stop by John. How, how do I live my life? Have I been able to change as a person? Am I living in good conduct? Have I, have I been able to work on my inner anger? Have I been able to work on the things that I once did? Have I changed? Have I became a new person? What type of works do I do? How much time do I put in God's word? Am I going out and am I, am I trying to help the broken? If we're sitting in church, and so I, I, I challenge you as church members, I challenge you, if you say you're saved and you're in the faith that you have it, then show me your works. Don't show me your works to try to convince me you're saved. Show me your works. How? What are you doing in your community? How active are you? Are you reaching out to people? Our mission field, that by the way, they don't like us. They're pretty upset with us. They're pretty angered with us. Our mission field, we're not to stoop at that level and fight back. We're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to love them. Show, show me your, your faith by your works. And that's, what, and that's what James is saying. And that's how he compliments Paul so much. Because he's just backing up what it, what it already says. Paul is telling me how to come to that, that faith. That he's saying, oh, by the way, it comes through, it was through God. Grace comes faith. God's forgiveness. God's love. Uh, Having now been justified, Romans 5, 9, having now been justified by his blood, by, by the blood of Christ, what he's done, what God has done for us, that he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. He's going to have the Spirit call me and come to me. Find me where I was at when I was broken. That grace, that forgiveness. They gave me that mustard seed of faith for one day when I heard a pastor and I heard the words that I could come and believe by believing. John 3, 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Because God has done all this, what do I need to do? I come to the point of, of brokenness in my life or I need a savior. 
and I hear the good news, I hear the gospel, I hear about what Jesus has done. We're, we're, we're approaching Easter. When, when Jesus was, when he resurrected, when he lived a sinless life, he died for us. He came out of that tomb three days later. We have a living God, a living Savior. Uh, what he did for us. That if we just believe that, we will be justified. Now Rome believes that when they, when you were born, the seven sacraments, one of them is when you were born, it was kind of an infusion when they baptized you. It was a baptism, one of the sacraments. It infused, you got an infusion of justification. And that justification you were feeling, we believe it's an imputation. See? Uh, because of what Christ has done for because of believing in what Christ has done for us, that he covers us. I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a sinner. I'm still unrighteous. But Christ is what? He come and he covered me. Okay? I, will, I wasn't infused, but he covered me. And I was filled with the Spirit. Rome says there was an infusion at birth. You were justified. You had your salvation. But then you, you started to get a little bit older. Now all of a sudden you committed a mortal sin. What does a mortal sin mean? Well, that means you've killed your justification. You've lost your righteousness. You've lost your spot, place in heaven, and you've lost that. You've killed it. It was a mortal sin. But don't, 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 don't lose hope yet. It's, you're going to be all right. We, we've got a remedy for that. And we, we're going to come to confession. Okay? Now, this is where we have to understand. We Going to confession is not a bad thing. Matter of fact, we did it a couple of weeks ago here. When we did the Lord's Supper here as a Protestant, when I told you God says don't sin, but if you sin, confess your sins and surely he'll forgive you. I'm showing you through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit there's atonement for your sin, and I'm showing it to you right here today. The same thing that the priest would do when you go into confession. See, we don't have a problem with that part. That was fine. Where the problem begins to get sticky is because now you've gone in there, you've repented of your sins, and now you have to now do something for it. It's the dependence part of it. Okay? Now is when we pull the works into it. Okay? Now we, we bring we begin to pull the works into it. When we pull the works into it, they say, well, you know, uh, you know, ten hell marriage, you gotta give some alms, maybe you gotta walk up on the season. You have to begin to do some types of works to Get your justification back to try to regain your salvation like what Christ did wasn't enough we need to add to that we need to help Christ out here and we need to add to that and they, they go by it's called merit because it's the merit of God so you can receive merits now you can just do maybe something simple and that'll get you a, a they have three levels of merit the one level of merit well you know God will consider now restoring you and then if you've done something exceptionally well, and this is a, a level where a merit where, you know, God would be wrong if he didn't forgive you. And then we have the super, super merit, see, that only uh, Mary, the saints and stuff, and the Pope has this treasure box of this merit. And if you pay certain money and in indulgences, we can forgive you. We can, we can give you the invitation. See, Rome doesn't believe that 
Christ can look at you as righteous, as justified, unless you are. So you now they've given you that infusion of faith and grace when you were born at baptism. You have what you need to do by the works of the law to prove yourself righteous before God. Okay? And because God can't look at you righteous uh, because you're unrighteous. We believe in an imputation. But now all of a sudden they go to the America box of merit. They can pull that out. You pay some off. And we can, we can cover you with Christ's blood. Christ and the saints. Which is saying Christ is not enough. Let's go. I'm going to go back a little bit now. Paul goes into Galatians. And he tells the, he tells the church of Galatia after these, these, these pagan people come by the simple word of hearing. Now God wasn't going to make this difficult for us. We're, we're complicated people. You know, he had to keep it simple for us. It is real simple that he made for us. We, we're fallen, we're broken, we're in need of a savior. Everybody runs into a broken time in their life. All they got to do is holler out to the Lord and believe in the name of Jesus Christ and they'll be covered in his blood and his sin. He promises that's just how simple it is. That's what Paul went and did. The people were filled with the spirit. They were walking on the clouds. They were so excited. You know what the freedom it is to be freed from your slave, uh, uh, from being freed from addiction or lust or self, to be freed from that? You, every day of your life, it run you, it controlled you, it told you when to wake up, when to go to bed. And now you've been released from that through Christ. You've been released. He's given you a freedom like you've never known before in your life. You've been set free. With what Christ did by a simple believing in him, the spirit fills you. It doesn't matter what happens in your life around you, circumstances. To, to live is for Jesus and to die is gain. We've been fortunate in this country for the last 200, 300 years. We haven't suffered the persecution. All our fellow prophets, all the fellow saints, all the fellow peoples through the Reformation, what they suffered. You know, that may not continue on that way. The freedom that we got. We get from that. These people experience that, just like you experienced it. If you've got come to that point in your salvation and you're filled with the Spirit, you've experienced that same thing as you once all walked in the lust of your flesh. That's what we read in Ephesians. And, he, and, and Paul says to them, he says, you know, who's bewitched you? But let them be accursed, he says. Who's bringing these Judaizers are coming in behind me trying to bring the works back in into your salvation and causing you this pain and this trouble and to adulterate the gospel for all time like what Satan wants to do, the perception of, and just to, to add in things that they're not true. It's a very simple message. And Paul says, let them be accursed. Anathema, he says. The full wrath of God bear down on you. Paul, after he, he's he explains his apostolic authority in the first couple of verses, who he is as a representative for God. The Sixth Council of Trent very specifically spelled out to us as Protestants that we are to be anathema if it's faith alone that we can be saved by. Faith by grace alone, let it be anathema to you. They have not recanted doctrine. Okay? Now they may have changed their language. They no longer saying you're an anathema, brother. They've changed their language to being fallen brothers. 
by fallen mothers separated from the church. But their stance has still not changed. Do I believe a lot of the, the priests believe in faith by grace? Absolutely, I do. Do I believe a lot of uh, people that I know are, are saved by faith through grace? Absolutely, I do. I think oftentimes uh, just the flat-out ignorance of not uh, being in God's Word and learning it, whether you're in this church or that church, your, your ignorance can bring a lot of pain in your life. But I, I, I feel for the ones that stand behind this podium and preach the gospel of Christ, that's who Paul's talking to. And may the truth of the word settle in to, to whoever hears it. That Paul says, as a representative, as an apostle for God, a direct representative for God, so are all pastors. But he's saying, let them be adapted if you preach another gospel. Any gospel. Even if, even if Peter, even if John, any of the other ones, even if an angel comes from heaven down here, let them be anathema. There is only one gospel, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And on this Easter, it's not going to be about an Easter bunny, it's going to be about Jesus who lived a sinless life for our lives and understanding that. And I just pray and hope that we all, because I say challenge each and every one of you, and anybody who's listening, challenge you, if you say you have faith, show me by your works. Don't try to work and show me your faith. If you're, if you're there and you're at a point in your life and you're broken and you've never under, felt that freedom of being released from a, that you're trapped in a sin, that you're just exciting you to continue that sin even more and hiding it from people, are you just in complete rebellion against God and you want to hear no part of it? To understand that simple message goes out to you. All you need to do is cry out on the name of the Lord. Understand that he sent his son Jesus into this world, that he lived a sinless life, that he bore our sins. He took our, he took our sins and put them on him and he gave us an imputation at the point of believing, at that moment of faith, right then and there, not that we had to work for it later, that we're working for our salvation, but at the moment of our conversion, that imputation, that covering of his blood onto us, and God can look at us now righteous. When I read in scripture that before the foundation of the world, that this was gonna happen, that I was gonna be able to stand holy and blameless before a righteous God, See, because I know how unrighteous I am and how unrighteous you may be, the things that you do that cause conflict and turmoil in your life. Some of the people in some of the worst situations that are fighting for their rights to kill themselves. And actually, there's groups of people that are killing themselves. A one in five statistical rate. They're living in their sin. They're living in a lie. People are promoting that, telling them it's a good thing. That's what they need to do. Then why are you killing yourself? You don't have to. You, you, you're welcome. You're, working in, you're welcome in any church of Christ, the body of Christ in our churches. Churches, people may have think and promote there's a bad name because you felt like you got hit over the head with the Bible. But there are churches out there with saints that truly love you. And they want to love you. And they'll accept you just to accept you right how you are. Not affirm your behavior. We, we, we will not affirm bad behavior and sin. We'll accept you and we'll love you. And when you couldn't love yourself and you wanted to end it, you can find the saint in the church. 
Most churches I go to, it's all the same. There's always them certain saints. You just see it in them. You feel it. You sense it. And uh, that person's waiting for you. Go to that church. All you got to do is just go to that church. Put your head down. Cry out to the Lord. You can keep smiling and act like you got it all figured out. But just put your head down. Cry out to the Lord. You, you don't have to say some prayer or something that's gonna, that, that I can tell you to be saying. You, you just need to be in the quietness of your heart. You need to holler out to the Lord. And you just need to say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Give me the wisdom, Lord. Help me get through this, Lord. I don't know what to do no more. I'm going to place it in your hands, Lord. There'll be a saint to come alongside you. They'll give you godly instruction through the Bible. Take your instruction through sola scriptura, the scripture alone. Foundationally, that's what we stand on, the word of God and only the word of God. If your thoughts or your theology don't line up with this Bible, then get rid of it. You've been lied to. It happens all the time. I have to do it all the time. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, I just uh, thank you for uh, Grace and Tiffin here, uh, being here, Father. For all the ministries that they have here, that they do for outreach into their community. Doors that are open to to the world to come in, to come in here and to get some love, love that comes from our God through Jesus to demonstrate it. Doors are open here at Grace. We continue to pray for these doors to continue to be open. Father, we just ask that that hedge of protection for the, your churches throughout this land, and we pray for all the saints, Father throughout the land that want to demonstrate demonstrate their faith by their works, by speaking the truth of your word. We ask for you to be with them, Father, to carry them through, to give them the words to say, to give them the strength how to act. And Father, if we, if we preach it, please give us the wisdom and the strength to be able to walk in your light, Father, as Christians. We pray that the those that are representing you, uh, represent you in a godly fashion. That they live God-honoring lives. That they be examples of, of love and forgiveness and mercy in their communities and in their families. No one, over, no one truly knows what love is until they know what, the, what your love is for us. And should we love others? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody. <clears throat>